right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the I Am Nerd podcast, also known as I Am In. I am your host, Frazier, and this is Kenny. That's right. Uh, we are back with episode two now. Uh, the response has been great. I love that people actually love this podcast already. Um, so many people are sharing it and just reaching out to me in the DMs, reaching out to Kenny, telling us they like it. Um, I did not imagine that this would be a thing. Uh, just two friends talking about nerd shit and you know people actually liking it. So we're here again. And we're going to be here two times a week at least. Um, if it was up to me, I would probably record like five times a week, but uh, we're going to do semi, semi-weekly. We'll do two times a week to start off, and uh, we'll take it from there. But Is that how that works? So the only reason, so the only reason I did it semi-weekly is because <laughs> when we had to submit the podcast to Apple Podcasts, it said bi-weekly, and it said like monthly, annual, like everything, right? And I clicked on like semi-weekly and it came over the description two times a week. So I'm going with what Yo. Apple calls <laughs> semi-weekly. That's what I'm All right. With. I'm with it. <laughs> so this is a semi-weekly podcast. Two times a week, we will be dropping episodes. Uh, cool. I would like to drop them every Thursday and Monday. Another cool thing is just uh, between the last time we recorded and now we already got at least two emails of people coming and asking questions. So I just wanted to say, if anybody wants us to talk about something specifically or actually go in depth on a topic, um, yeah, just send us an email and let us know. Toward the end of the, toward the end of today, we'll go into um, the two emails we got, yep. and um, and yeah, the emails depending on what it is, what the question is, like it could end up being a whole episode if it's like in depth enough, or it could be something quick at the end. So right, yeah, send the stuff and. Uh, We'll definitely check it out. Yep. So send send any questions or suggestions or anything you want to say to us to I am nerd podcast at gmail.com and we may read it aloud on the show. So something I wanted to do because this episode is going to be called The Shadow Realm. Uh, we're going to be talking about how we got into Yu-Gi-Oh. So even though this isn't a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast, it's just one of the many things that nerds like. Uh, a lot of nerds like Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic the Gathering or Pokemon. Uh, we all got in the trading card some way. But uh, I wanted to talk about how we got into Yu-Gi-Oh! this episode. And uh, I think we'll start off with that. And then we'll kind of go into Broken Cards and History and then our other segments. But so I guess I'll start with you, Kenny. How did you get into Yu-Gi-Oh! What was your first as a child? What what got you into the card game? Uh, I would say first, because before Yu-Gi-Oh! existed, there was Magic the Gathering. And although I didn't ever actually play Magic, my uncle had a big long box one of those long thin boxes yep um of magic cards like a thousand count yeah yep and he gave them to me like i guess he got old enough and like grew out of it or whatever and like instead of selling it he literally just gave me the box and had a bunch of cards in it and then like i taught myself how to play in a way i didn't know how to play but he's like i looked at the cards and i was like i think this is what they do and like i played with them like that with my friends and the art was really cool. So that was the first time I got in the card, like a card game. But then Yu-Gi-Oh itself, I think it came out when I was in sixth grade. And okay. with the show and with the like starter deck Yu-Gi and Kaiba and Legend of Blue Eyes, like I got into it basically as soon as Yu-Gi-Oh came out in the States, I was like, I was into it. Like I found like I would buy the the packs at 7-Eleven or yep. the starter decks at 7-Eleven. And uh, I got into it right from the gate with the show and just the cards in general. And for the first year or two years of playing, same as like magic, like we weren't following the rules. We were just like putting cards on the fucking table and just 
Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Just We're going to talk about shit. that, too. We're going to talk about that. So, for me, um, so, as most of you know, I'm a YCS champion. I won YCS Atlanta 2010 uh, with Gravekeepers. And I went on to top, I think, when I stopped playing, I had 22 tops if you're counting ARGs. And if you're not counting ARGs, I think I had 16. Did you win uh, an ARG? I got second at ARG. Okay. Because I, I was got- actually talking about that recently with a friend of mine. He was asking how many a YCS is the fridge one. I was like, I think he won one YCS yeah. and maybe one or two ARGs. But I, yeah, sure. I got second at an ARG um, in Syracuse actually in like 2015 with Necros. Um, so, so yeah, I like most people obviously know me from Yu-Gi-Oh! They know me from like being sponsored by ARG Which shout out to Jim McMahon um, of ARG and uh, Sweets and Geeks for allowing us to actually use this artwork um, for the podcast, which I love. This was actually official artwork that was used for my token as the Dark Magician. So that's what this this background that you see is for our um, podcast cover art right now. Um, shout out to Jim McMahon for that. I really appreciate that. And the artist was? I think it was Christine Sin. I'm pretty sure is the name of the artist. Um, I was actually looking into my old oh, that's messages. That's not who I thought it was. I thought the artist was somebody else. Well, ARG had many Happy artists back in the day. Happy I didn't say the name. No, no, no. I believe I'm pretty sure Christine Sen is the one who actually did the art for this. And she did a fucking phenomenal job. Like, look, like that is me as the dark magician. That is like the coolest. Like for me, that is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Not being narcissistic, but like it, I, like, it like it just looks so cool. It just looks really cool. Um, so so for me, I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! a long time ago. I'm not gonna age myself, but uh let's just say when I picked it up, I'm pretty sure Feral Servant was the newest set. And the way it happened was uh, kids in class were like playing the game in the back of the class, like during recess and stuff. And I would like look at what they were doing. And I saw like La Jin, Genie of the Lamp and like Axe of Despairs, Gemini, like, I don't know, Gemini, Gemini Alpha wasn't out yet, but like I saw Axe of Despairs on La Jin's and like a bunch of 1800 monsters, like seven colored fish. Yep. And they were playing Gemini back Elf, and forth. Gemini Alpha didn't come out. So it was like a video game card. Yeah, well, Gemini Elf was also a secret rare in uh, one of the sets. I feel like it might have even been the set after Feral Servant. Legacy of Darkness, I think Maybe. it is. Yeah, but she I know came back out, she then was they used to release a lot of cards through video games. Yes. Yes. And I remember, so back then, uh, watching kids play in the back of the classroom, um, I would, like, obviously be interested in it. And then my one friend, Rashawn, who went to the same school as me, he was like, yo, you should come with me after school. Like, let's go to this car store. I can show you the game. And at the time, I didn't know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh! Really. Like, I had seen a little bit of the show, but I didn't know what was going on. So I was like, well, I want what probably every kid wanted when they were a child. Like, Blue Eyes. Like, I saw Blue Eyes in the show. I saw, like, this big-ass dragon. The guy had three of it. Didn't know who he really was. But I was like, I want three of that starter deck. And I remember they only had two at the time. So I got two of them and then I had to go somewhere else to get my third one. But I was so happy when I got my three blue eyes and I used to literally, that's how I knew you, I was destined to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Because when I got those three blue eyes, I used to stare at them in my room, like for no reason. I would just pull my deck out, which was just like literally three Kaiba decks mushed together. And I would pull it out and I would just stare at the blue eyes and like literally think about like how Kaiba used to have the three blue eyes and stuff in the show. And uh, then I obviously started watching the show a lot. And next thing I knew, I was a full-time duelist. but uh being so young and watching the show which does not teach you at all how to play the game especially uh with duelist kingdom (laughs) so we're going to talk about we're about to talk about the uh, anime duelist kingdom arc with uh pegasus 
that shit is not the way to show kids how to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Like they used to just summon monsters, like summon dark magician out your hand, no tributes, no rules, making shit up, just for the, for lack of a better word, Yugi was out there cheating, and so was everybody else. Like they were just cheating. <laughs> like to be fair though, it hasn't gotten any better. They haven't learned from their mistakes. I don't know <laughs> if you've ever seen any of the new anime for Yu-Gi-Oh. I, I have not. Every now and then I'll check it out because I have Hulu, right? And like I'll be going to sleep and I'll throw something on. And every now and then I'll just throw on like a new one of the newer ones, like uh the I'll one stop with GX. So whatever the new one, if they have link summoning, the blue cards, I don't know anything yeah, about that. There's I haven't seen the link summoning one yet, but I saw some of the series where they have pendulum summoning. Okay. Yeah, that's and pretty far. The way they duel in that game is like they just don't even duel. They fucking they have like a performance. And they're like, they go out and they're like, they ride on their fucking elephant monster and shit. And there's like spell cards on the field and they got to like find the spell cards and like oh, no. they See, get to use. So it's not even slightly. So it's not even, it's not Yu-Gi-Oh at all. Like well, you can't learn how to play at all. Like five Ds, they're riding motorcycles and shit. I remember that. Like, <laughs> like at Speed no point do they play Yu-Gi-Oh in any of the fucking series. Yeah. I feel like GX might be the closest thing to like actual factual Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, probably. But Duelist Kingdom was really bad. Like, especially as a kid, I remember playing my friends and like, we would all have decks and stuff, which were pretty much just Joey starter deck, Kaiba starter deck, and uh, Yugi starter deck, like put together. And maybe we had some cards from yeah. packs, but like not really. We weren't. Pegasus pretty, starter deck. Yeah, like we were pretty broke. So we didn't really have money to like go out and buy packs for how much they cost back then. So we pretty much had starter decks. And like, I remember just summoning Summon Skull, like turn one, Summon Summon Skull, set like three back rows, pass. My friends like Summon Blue Eyes Attack, Summon Skull. And I'm like, yep, that, that just happened. Like I'm, I'm fucking Summon Skull just creamed. Like why? He's destroyed. Um, and we learned that from the show. And then the show was even worse because I remember I started to take some of <laughs> cheating ass Yami Yugi's rules, like uh, the living arrow fuse of mammoth graveyard to <laughs> go into your blue eyes to make the attack go down every turn because it's an undead monster. <laughs> like just your monster loses 1200 attack per turn, like stuff that I saw in the show. Um, or have my monster, like my friend would have like Yumi, Yumi on the field. And I'd be like, Oh, well like, my giant soldier of stone can attack the moon. And like, if it destroys the moon, all your water monsters fucking drown now because they're like dried out. Like Yugi did, he did that shit on the show. Like he, he's playing Mako Tsunami and Mako was bodying him. Like Mako was bodying oh. Yugi. And I don't know where Yugi's like, oh, I'm gonna just have this, this monster attack the moon. And all of the water dried up and Mako's fucking fish were just like floundering on the ground. Like, <laughs> trying to guess her air. like it was just like, he just made shit up. And, and people went with they it. Really like people ex- people accepted whatever Yugi did. Like they were just like, "Yep, that's fine." Like that's I guess you fucking attack the moon right now. Yugi also just like would bring shit that just wasn't in his deck. Like he was in uh, when he got to Pegasus. Pegasus was the first time we summoned Blackluster Soldier, right? Yeah, he like think- he, he's been using the same deck the whole tournament, and then like you yeah, know, there like, no semblance of, and then out of nowhere. He just made some rules up and Blackluster Soldier showed up. Like, yeah. Where the he fuck just, is this guy? He could just de-draw from? anytime. I think I think the biggest offense, or at least one of the biggest offenses um that Yugi did was he was playing against the guy Panic. I'm not gonna panic. Like you probably remember that cringy ass song, but um if you watch the English dub, that was like a song that they had when Yugi fought or dueled Panic. And I remember Panic had like Castle of Dark Illusions on the field, yep. and it was like increasing all of his monsters' attack. 
and it was like protecting them. And again, Yugi was getting absolutely fucking bodied as usual, but he played Swords of Revealing Light and he like used swords on Castle Dark Illusions or whatever. And it like bound all the monsters into the castle so they couldn't like move. <laughs> and then after three turns passed, the guy was like, all right, my monsters are now free to attack. I'm going to end your life points. And then Yugi's like, uh, actually, now that the swords are not holding up your castle anymore, the gravitational float doesn't work anymore. Your castle crashes to the ground with all your monsters in it and you fucking lose. <laughs> and he just like, he just cheated him. Like he just did it again. Like it's just a series of him cheating and like us kids who are watching this, who love the game are like picking up on these really bad habits, which may speak to a problem that Yu-Gi-Oh used to have, but we won't go into that. But yeah, we used to like watch the cartoon and just see people legit do whatever they wanted. And so when I first started playing, I thought Toon World was like insane because Pegasus cheating ass used to put Toon World out and be like, well, Toon World allows my monsters to not be able to be attacked. And like, you know, you can't even target them with anything because they go back into yep. Toon World after every time they do something. And that it was like the most broken thing I've ever seen. Like he beat Kaiba so bad and like took his blue eyes and like made it into a Toon Blue Eyes. So I used to play with my friends and I'd be like, oh, I play Toon World, I'll take your blue eyes. Yeah, I think what? also... I could be wrong, but I think in Duelist Kingdom, they never attacked directly. There was yeah, no direct was attack, yeah, you except attack for monsters. Toon Monsters. Right. I think Toon Monsters were able to attack directly. Right, which Pegasus never, had. Th- so broken. So yeah. broken. He could attack directly with his Toon Monsters, but everybody else had to play by the rule. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> doing the, the finger quotes right now because they had to play by the rules, which really <laughs> begs the question of how do you even lose a duel if you can't be attacked directly? Like, if I just pass yeah, my turn... Summer. Yeah, just draw Exodia. Like, you can't do anything. But, obviously, it's a TV show, so they didn't do that. Nah, they didn't. Yeah, I on remember the, the original show. Go ahead. I was going to say, on the same note, I know I'm, I'm jumping out of the original show a couple times, but... Uh, yeah, well, we're going to we could jump around and talk about all this, because I also watch GX a bit, which I... But, on GX, I remember, um, basically, a, a long time ago, when I was more of a troll... Um, uh, I don't know how that's possible, but <laughs> I was a bit more of a troll. I remember we were in this. I was in this Yu-Gi-Oh group on Facebook and I made a post. I actually still have the post screenshot it because every now and then I'll look at it and just fucking laugh. But I made a post <laughs> that says, hey, guys, I have a question. Can you normal summon and face up defense mode? Here's what happened. I was playing some kid on Dueling Network. If you know Dueling Network, you might be an old head. No, he summoned face up defense and then he tried to take it back. And I said he can't. He tried to call, he tried to get all cocky and said he has to set it as in set it in face down defense mode. I told him he already summoned the face up and he can't take it back. We then argued back and forth. I got annoyed and just signed off. Uh, this started a huge back and forth argument on right. Facebook. So basically, you were trying to see like the guy summon something in face up defense mode, like the show, because you could do that in the show, which is another yep. thing that they just, I don't know why they teach us that. Like you can just put your, like your mystical elf. And yep. face up defense mode and just so, not even reveal what it like. like so the whole joke it. was the whole <laughs> the whole joke was basically I'm a guy that watches Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. I even use as an example, Jaden he he summons Clayman in defense mode, right? It's just preference. You he don't have to put it face down. Every game. My man just summons Clayman and face up defense mode. And I I remember thinking it was so funny because like instead of me arguing that I was doing breaking the rules. I was like, 
trying to argue for somebody else breaking the rules. I don't know. <laughs> I remember it was just so funny to me. I was just like, yeah, man, like you can't take that back. You summoned in face up defense mode. So bad. And uh, so it started like a huge argument. People were getting really mad at me. They're like, just look at the official rules. And I was like, I looked at the official show. How are you going to tell me the official show doesn't have the official rules? Exactly. Like, I but, learned um, this in the show. I didn't read no rule. Who, who reads a rule book? Let's be honest. Guys don't read rule books. We get shit. Even when you have to put something together, you you get any kind of electronic, you open an electronic, you think you know what you're doing. You plug that shit up and you start using it. You don't read rule books. You don't read manuals. I got that rule book in my starter deck. Probably like three rule books, right? And I, I, they probably ended up in the trash. I took the little plastic play mat out. I would keep those. But the rule book, I... They talked about tributing and sacrificing monsters. I didn't know any. I was like, no, I'm not doing that shit. I'm doing exactly what I saw on the show. Yugi summoned this Dark Magician. You're going to get this Dark Magician. I remember also, like, episode one, I'm pretty sure, he, like, mysteriously drew off five pieces of Exodia, which, you know, that that's, like, obviously the odds of that are astronomical to just draw the five pieces of Exodia, like, raw draw them. But uh, we all have that one kid at Locals that, like, plays the Exodia deck, probably doesn't have sleeves, and they try to do that little trick where they don't let you shuffle the deck. They just kind of like want to duel you yeah. <laughs> and like you sit down across from them. And they're like, oh, uh, I'm going to draw my hand. And like you draw your hand and you look at them and you're like, here we go. And they're like, I drew Exodia. And like they just show you the five cards. You got to love it. <laughs> we all have that one kid. Like I remember. I've got, I, I remember I, um, I didn't know what side decks were. I tried reading the rule book one time and oh, I just God. didn't understand what the side deck was. Oh, and here's what I thought it was. Here's what this I ended up doing. This is I thought bad. the side deck was 15 cards you put next to your deck. Yep. And at the start of your turn, instead of drawing from your deck, you could yep. choose to draw from your side. I deck. did the exact. Why did I and do I was, the same thing? And I was just like, and why I did I do the same like, exact thing? Oh, well, I'll put all my best cards in my side deck because I have a better chance at drawing them. And I'll just draw from my we didn't side even, deck. We didn't even yeah. know each other back then because I was like a, a kid. Yeah, no, child. Absolute child. I didn't yeah. meet you till I was in like, I think I was 20, 22. Yeah, 20. Like we met in 2010. So yeah, it's been 11 years. But like when I was a child, I remember me and my friends, when we played, we had a side deck on the side, like literally on the side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we mm-hmm. would just draw from it. And that was what we thought a side deck was because again, none of us read the rules. And so our best cards would just be in our fucking side deck and we'd just be like just cheating the shit out of people because it's like, oh, okay, like... I'm going to just draw this mirror force right now. Hopefully that's in here because I know that I got a Regeki or a dark hole or something in my side deck that I can just yep. draw at any time. So that was a thing. Um, also with the original series, like GX, I, I kind of started to fall off when it got to GX. Cause I didn't like the main character. He was too like happy go lucky. I like the yeah. heroes kind of, but like, I don't know something about Jaden. I do like E heroes a lot, but yeah, Jaden just didn't do it for me. Nah. Him and his friends. I just, I don't know. I never liked that. I was, I liked the, like the, the original Yu-Gi-Oh! Series, that, well, we're going to talk about the original Yu-Gi-Oh! Series, the one where Yami was just straight up killing people too. But uh, for oh, now, yeah. the it's Duelist like Kingdom Battle, Zero. yes, Duelist Kingdom Battle City taught me some bad shit as a kid. Like I remember also, so when I got to Battle City, so this is after Pegasus Arc. Um, oh, that's, Battle City is where they tried to make it the real rule. Yeah, they started to play like Kaiba, kind of real. Kaiba was like, I'm making new rules. And he yes. was like, you have to tribute to some. What do you mean new rules? Like that was like Yami's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I remember. That started in Battle City. Pegasus, like after the Pegasus arc where, mind you, someone is literally fighting for their sister to not be blind. 
in this fucking tournament. Like, like someone's sister needs a $3 million surgery and Pegasus just so happens to be offering up exactly three, $3 million <laughs> to get this. Like everyone's fighting for their, I'm fighting for my fucking life out here, man. Like he was fighting for his sister. Joey gets destroyed, obviously. Yami, Yugi, like wins the thing, beats Pegasus. Then they move on to Battle City. Battle City introduced, so they did start to kind of play by the rules, but then they introduced some more toxic concepts like rare hunters. People who would literally be like, yo, I'll play you for that. And if they beat oh, you, they man. just took your shit. Like they just fucking stole your shit. Yeah. So like Take in real life, cards. in real life, that's what people did. We started to be like, yo, I'm a rare hunter. I challenge you to a duel and you have to accept. Cause that was another thing. Like I think if a rare hunter challenged you, you just had to like legit accept like this is fucking happening. I'm about to play you and I'm about to take that Jinzo. Yeah. It started a, because of the show that started a trend of people playing each other for their best card. Yes. Like I remember I, I had a next door neighbor and I was like two years older than him, but I would play him for his, like I would play him every day for his best card. To the oh, point no. where I just had all his cards. Like, oh, no. like I just took all of his cards. No, and, uh, not all of his cards. Like, he ended up quitting Yu-Gi-Oh! Because, like... Yeah, because that shit is He got in fun. trouble. They were like, where are all your cards at? And he, like, didn't snitch. He was like, oh, I, don't, I lost them. Yeah, but, like, that's good on him. He didn't tell his mom and then got all his cards back the hard way. Because that would have been... That would have been annoying. Like, damn, I beat this kid seven days a week. And he went and fucking told his mom, who talked to my mom. And now I got to give all this shit back. Yeah. And I remember playing with... Uh, Remember at some point he I got them from him. He had like the Sphinx cards that you got from the first Yu-Gi-Oh movie. Oh, I remember those. It was like Theory and the Great Sphinx or something, yep, or like Andro Sphinx, something like that. In the Pyramid of Light or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I had like a Sphinx deck, and I played it completely incorrectly. Were you just summoning that shit? Like, were you just like this monster thirty five hundred summoning? No, I think I, I think I, in some way, pretended to summon them the right way. I think I, <laughs> I kind of. Maybe did it. They had a lot of text. Like those cards, I remember those movie cards. They had a shit ton of text. Yeah, they were. They fucking sucked. Um. So that started the whole like playing for cards trend. Like even if it wasn't, I'll play you for your best card. People started to like play in real life for cards, which still exists today, of course. And it's not all bad as long as like the two people understand like the stakes like i'm going to take your card if i beat you though yeah yeah and so at my school and i'm I'm talking about like seventh eighth grade we would play for cards and i would like sometimes i'd beat people sometimes i'll lose and we would literally be like yeah like this guy has my card and so i didn't like that i didn't like losing i didn't like any of that shit so we eventually like got it got to a point where i found like i was like i'm not gonna lose and i started to make my deck in a way that was like so like i started to realize like fisher and cards like that just clear boards are just like super important when you're playing like summon blue eyes attack like anything that just like i kill your monster was really good like i learned that really on like mirror force obviously is insane um and i end up getting a mirror force speaking of which the first time i ever bought a pack of Yu-Gi-Oh cards it's feral servant like i said it was first edition so pretty sure it was like the newest set that was out don't look the dates up though because you're gonna age me but feral servant i bought a pack and i got a first edition secret rare jinzo didn't know anything about Jinzo. Oh, this is still Duelist Kingdom time. So Battle City hasn't come out. So there's no Esperoba, I think it was his name, who actually had Jinzo, the psychic dude. Um, so this is still Duelist Kingdom. So I don't know anything about like how good Jinzo is. Like I have no idea. And I and also the card was kind of expensive, I'm pretty sure too. Like Jinzo back then there were only two secret rares per box. Yeah, at um, the time I think Jinzo Jinzo was arguably one of the best cards in the game. Oh, if not the insane. best after other cards got banned. 
yes, Genzo was insane. Obviously, as time progressed, we all realized like Genzo might not have been optimal, but like because people just naturally played a lot of traps long, long ago, um, Genzo started out like being ex- extremely good. I didn't know my favorite card in the show was Styles Nas Restrict. I loved Pegasus. Um, I just thought there was something so cool about how ignorant he talked to people. Like he just fucking teased you the whole game and told you like, mm, you will die, Yugi boy. Like I just, I love that shit. Like I just, I would, uh, he also had fashion sense. Like I'm, I love that. Like fucking came out in a red suit. He was rich. Pegasus was like, I idolized Pegasus. Like he was a fucking rich, <laughs> he was rich and single living his best life. Like he was for the streets and he was just out here like fucking beating people with Toon World and like making fun of them and, Telling people like I know exactly what you have in your hand, Yugi boy. Like just ruining, like Fucking he would ru- he would ruin you, and I love that. So when I saw Thousand Eyes Restrict, I was like, oh, I need that. Like that card sucks shit up, and like they can't attack and you can't change position. Like it, I remember uh, getting the I got the Genzo, and one of the guys who went to my school who had been playing Yu-Gi-Oh for a long time. I remember him having just everything really really good. Like he just had. Axe Despair used to be ultra rare. He had three oh, Axe Despairs, which we really valued back then. He had everything. And he was like, oh, I'll trade you my Thousand Eyes of Strict, which he didn't even like have in his deck. Like I should have known, but I was dumb. He was like, I'll trade you this Thousand Eyes of Strict for your Genzo. And I thought about it for a really long time. I was like, man, I really want that Thousand Eyes of Strict. And I didn't know anything about rarity. So like the Damn. ultra rare versus secret rare. And he got me. I gave that guy a first edition, Damn. mint condition, feral servant Genzo. And he got my and I and I got his thousand dollars strict. And then on top of that, I like I, I definitely felt great. Like I went, I did the same thing I used to do with the blue eyes. I went home, I stared at my thousand dollars strict. I knew I was gonna beat all my friends now because I had this new fusion that's like insane, has all this text on it that I'm not gonna really read, but I kind of knew what it did on the show. And as long as they didn't have fucking Karibo and Multiply, <laughs> as long as they didn't have Karibo and Multiply, <laughs> I was gonna win. Like, cause you guys remember. You know, <laughs> Yugi cheated the hell out of Pegasus to win. He was like, oh, you're about to suck up my Magician of Black Chaos? I'm going to use Multiply on Karibo, and then your Thousand Isles of Strict has to suck up a million Karibos, and then, yep. and then Karibos explode on contact. So your Thousand Isles of Strict just fucking dies, which, again, just making shit up that I pretty much adopted from the show. I uh, I sadly have a story that's even worse than yours. Oh, no. It can't be. Luckily, it didn't happen to me, but it happened to a very, very close friend of mine. He went to a Tours of Us tournament. This was super early in Yu-Gi-Oh! And he went to, like, his parents took him to, like, a Tours of Us event for Yu-Gi-Oh! And he opens a pack. And in the pack, he gets Yadagarasu. Yep, another secret rare. If you don't know what Yadagarasu does, because it's been banned for 300 years. Yeah, it's been banned It has forever. 200 attack. It's a spirit monster. which means at the end of your turn, it goes back to your hand. 200 attack, and when you attack, when you deal damage to somebody's life points with this monster, they cannot draw a card on their draw phase. So Cheyenne looks at, uh, I said his name, Cheyenne looks <laughs> at the card and he goes, This card sucks and it's 200 attack. Oh, like, no, it'll never, Poor it'll Cheyenne. never attack you direct. Like it, it'll can Poor. never. No, mind you, he's a kid. He's a kid at the time. Oh, yeah. And we were all kids. Now, Yadagrasu is his favorite card ever. Dumb, dumb kids. But back then, he looks at it. He's like, this card sucks. At the Toys R Us tournament, he trades Yada fucking Garasu for a fake blue back obelisk the tournament. Oh, no. It wasn't even real? <laughs> he trade. Remember? 
Back in the day, they had um. Yeah, they had like the cipher was like, red on the back. Yeah, Ma was yellow on the back. Yellow and obelisk was blue. He yeah. traded Yadagarasu for an obelisk, the tormentor. <laughs> that sucks. I guess he didn't I mean, even trade it for a real card. Yeah, that's a, oh god. And he was like, I got obelisk. Look, I got fucking obelisk. That's the thing that the show, the show did that to us. The show made us value cards that obviously this is how it works. Like, and, and this isn't everything. You see something in the show. And you want it. So I saw Thousand Eyes Restrict. I didn't see Jinzo in the show at the time. So I was like, I want Thousand Eyes Restrict. He saw Obelisk, which was insane. And I remember thinking that, like, Slifer, seeing seeing Kaiba summon Obelisk the first time, like, all the God cards, that whole Battle City arc when he got the God cards, was like, that was the best part of, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, to me, the God card era, Kaiba punching through a Mirror Force with Obelisk. Yes! Like, the guy was like, I activate Mirror Force. And he was like, it doesn't matter. And then Kaiba saying shit like screw the rules, I have money, which I probably took a little too far. But like <laughs> back then I was like, yeah, like I, I started to like trade and figure out ways to make money. So I would like buy all the nice cards. So I just had like the guy, you know, the guy cards and shit like that. But by that point, I actually knew how to technically like play the game, but the guy cards weren't legal. It literally said on the bottom of the card, this card cannot be used in a duel. Yeah. Not that any, not that I ever read that. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> people, <laughs> people tried, man. It's funny, dude. Another funny thing about just being young and playing Yu-Gi-Oh. I um, I didn't under I didn't understand the concept of marking cards and cheating in a way of marking cards. Yeah. So my deck, I had, uh, my my deck was marked essentially. All my commons weren't in card sleeves because like I couldn't afford to get all these card sleeves. I just had random sleeves. Remember, all my commons weren't sleeved. All of my rares were like in white sleeves. All of my hollows were like in blue sleeves and all of my ultra rares oh, were like in gold sleeves. I went through a phase like that too where I just had mixed sleeves. I just like... Yeah. And it wasn't like... um, It wasn't like specific cards were in specific color sleeves, like, but it was to the point where I would just have like whatever was available at 7-Eleven because I don't know, yeah. like 7-Eleven back in the day used to sell like sleeves and packs and stuff like that. I don't know if they still do. Maybe they still do. But they used to sell everything that was like related to hobbies and card, card games. And uh, I would just buy whatever sleeves were available. So if they only had like a pack of gray sleeves and a pack of black sleeves, I would buy both. And when, yep. my, when I ran out, I would just sleeve the rest of my cards in the black and then I would mix it together. And me and my, we and just, we just didn't just think anything it. of it. No, like we, me, didn't, like, we were innocent. Like mine were color coded, but even though they were color coded, I still, I wasn't even thinking of it as cheating. I was like, this is my ultra rare. He goes in a gold sleeve. Yes. And I, I remember I went to a tournament at my local called uh, Alternate Universe. And I, I'm, I shuffle my deck. I put my deck down. And the guy across from me, I remember at the time I didn't get it, but I remember he like looks at my deck and he looks at me and he like asked me about my deck and the sleeves. And like I literally told him, I was like, oh, my gold, look here, this mulch are rare. It's under. And he's like, okay, you're fine. Because like he looked at it, he's like, this guy's deck is marked. But then he was like, he's fucking 10, whatever. Yeah. And then we just played and like I lost. But did you care for any of the uh, the villains in the show, like in, in the Yu-Gi-Oh show? Because like obviously um, me... Pegasus was like Kaiba. my favorite. Yes, because Kaiba technically Kaiba. was a villain at one point, right? Like yeah. he was definitely on, on some evil shit. Yeah, I loved Kaiba. Um, he was yeah, rich. I, Blue Eyes yeah. White Dragon was like my favorite card as well. Like I love yep. Blue Eyes. Like my favorite card, nostalgia wise, is Blue Eyes. My favorite card, not not on pure nostalgia, is probably Stardust. Um, yeah, Stardust is is a hot card. But yeah, I loved Kaiba in terms of villains. Yeah, uh, for me, it's it's Pegasus for all the reasons I have mentioned. Like he just. Rich, single, like hosting tournaments to just absolutely ruin people's day. Cause like he 
giving out prizes for people's sister surgery that's blind that like he could just give them the money and he was still just having abundance but he just chooses not to yeah um, and then I, you can also just kidnap your grandpa and fucking lock his soul away he could kidnap your, your grandpa <laughs> and your and your brother he could kidnap your grandpa yeah. and your fucking brother and seal them in cards and just tell you like yeah you don't have a choice if you want your grandpa back you gotta win this tournament which is and also the tournament was like if I remember when you won, you only got to choose one of the prizes. It was oh, like yeah. free the souls everything. or get the money. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if it was necessarily like free the souls. I think it, it like might have been like a soul. free a soul. Like, I don't <laughs> even think it was like, like, I don't think it was like, oh, free the boys in the slammer. Like it was more so like, do you want to be rich or is it, is it like fuck them souls, fuck them kids? Or is it, you know, I want this $3 million. Like, like oh, what do you want? Man. Like it, it definitely wasn't free the souls. Like I'm pretty sure it would <laughs> Pegasus he was, was a savage. <laughs> he, he was, was fucked he was, up. He was a savage. So I love Pegasus. <laughs> you loved Kaiba. What about like favorite cards? Like throughout Yu-Gi-Oh's early history, like the early days, and even I guess like as it progressed, like what is like um, favorite cards that you could just think of? Off the top of my head, I remember, <clears throat> especially starting early Yu-Gi-Oh, um, back when like beatdown decks were a thing. Like I remember looking for every eighteen hundred. Right. Like I can think of so many of the eighteen, like seven colored fish, Lejin, um, Harpy's brother. Yes. Uh, and then when like nineteen hundreds artwork was sick. Harpy's brothers was to so. This, sick. It, it was like Goku kind of right, like Goku with a mask on with like red claws. Yeah, he had like this like spiky black hair. Yeah, he had the red. He had, like this fat ass red claw. Harpy's brother cool was sick. Shit. He was oh my, my favorite eighteen hundred. And then like when the nineteen hundreds came out, like Archfiend Soldier and Gemini Elf. Yes. And um Slate Warrior from the game. Slate Warrior. Do you remember was, Slate Warrior? That card was insane. When you flip it, he gets 500 attack. So when you flip 24. it, he gets 500. If he gets attacked, I think if, like if he, if he dies, gets a, if he get if you attack him and kill him or something, he lowers your attack by 500. Yep. He was so slate good. Having three slate warriors was OD, like man. back in the day. I used to go to a, a card store called Galaxy Video. And uh like when I first went. At this point, I do know how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, by the rules, so I know how to tribute and everything like that. And I went to Galaxy Video, and I met one of my good friends, who's still one of my good friends today, named Cam. And he used to play Fiends. Like, one of the cool things about Galaxy was that people played not, like, anything meta, because we didn't really know about metagame like that. But we, like, played based on, like, just your personality. Like, Cam yeah. liked Fiends. Somebody else might like Harpy. Somebody else might like Dragon. Somebody else might like Toons. So we just played kind of like that. And Cam's deck had three Slate Warriors, I remember he had Dark Ruler Hades. He had, you know like, how long it took me to realize that Hades just was Hades? Yes. And it took me way too long to realize that Hades is just Hades. And, and the original artwork for that, like the Japanese artwork, he's holding a skull instead of a, a chalice. Instead of a chalice, yeah. yeah. Which I thought was really cool. But um, So Cam will have like a full fiend deck, Giant Germ Times 3, Dark Mimic Level 1, Dark Mimic Level 3, like... Slate three slate warriors, archfiend soldiers, giant orcs, three dark necrofears. And I and I used to think like that deck was so crazy because he would start dropping dark necrofears. And like if you summon like BLS in attack mode, like Black Luster Soldier, he just like summon dark necrofear, crash into it, steal your monster. Yep. Like that was a thing. I remember that just being like such a ridiculous deck back in the day. My one friend Gus, he would play like water, so he had like Abyss Soldier. Like all the water, like all the cool water shit, like Biss Soldier, like the starter card, bounce anything to the hand. Penguin Soldier, which we used to play because of the starter decks, like put two cards back in the hand. Medina um, played uh Medina played uh water. I remember yes. he played water decks. Yeah, Medina loves water in general. And he um 
I remember he had fucking go giga gaga gigo. Fucking, you, there was I'm like, glad you said it because I not even <laughs> go giga gaga gigo is not boy. I try, but yes, I remember his whole storyline: gigabyte, gaga go, go giga gaga go, go giga go giga gaga go. And I'm I'm done now. I'm done. But uh, my first so the weird thing for me the the first deck that I kind of used when I started to play like by the rules was actually a water deck, which is why my favorite card or like cards, especially when I was younger, was the Legendary Ocean. I didn't really care for Mako Tsunami. I thought that he had it wrong. Like, he had the wrong idea. He's just using fucking Legendary Fisherman and all that. I did use Legendary Fisherman, but like Amphibian Beast? Now, obviously, most people are going to be like, I don't know what the fuck that is. But Amphibian Beast was like one of my favorite cards. I just liked it. It was like something about he's great on land and in sea. 2400 attack monster, one tribute, um, a legendary ocean like lowered the star level of your water monsters so back in the day i used to play a legendary ocean three aqua spirits um three of that shark like great white or whatever it was called like some great white shark or something like that three seven colored fish i would also yeah. play umiruka like i would play umiruka because i used to think like okay i could play a legendary ocean i could play umi and i could play umiruka and i quickly realized that umiruka was like insane like that card gave all your monsters 500 so I was playing Cyber Dragon way before Cyber Dragon was ever a card because I would just go banish one, summon Aqua Spirit. And like my friends would be like, damn, like she's 2100. I'm like, yep. And then then I would pass turn. And if they had something like a Spirit Reaper on the field, I would go on your standby phase, target your Spirit Reaper, and it just dies because it got targeted. And like that was a big thing. That was a big thing back in the day, just having like a 2100 attack or like Seven Color Fish being 2300 attack. Like just summoning a 2300 yeah. attack monster like that was insane. Like, like no one was ready for such high attack monsters. Even my great white shark was 1600 going to 2100 again. Like I Shit had a was lot of unfair. My favorite deck. So back then, so like you know, being a kid and just like obviously I love the blue eyes. But when I really got into the game and learned how to play, um, was monarchs and back oh, the monarchs man. back then. And I even up until when I met Frazier, like monarchs were my go-to deck. Like how he was saying, Cam was fiends and etc. Like, my deck for my whole life has been, like, my go-to has been some variation of Monarchs. I played other decks, but I always had a Monarch deck. And Monarchs back then, like, this is way before Caius and Ryza existed. Monarchs back then was just, like, Threesaborg, Mobius, uh, and you'd have, like, Thestalos. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, we call call it Thestalos, yep. Um, Because he would, like, do hand control, but but Mobius, like, popped two spells or traps, and... uh, which is like at the time MST was like one of the most like MST was insanely good. Heavy Storm I think was banned maybe. Maybe, maybe not. If yet. it wasn't, then we had we, we also had like Giant Trune. We had Cold yeah. Wave at one point. We had uh, Dust Knight was used somewhat. There was a uh, Harpy's Fava Duster from the video game. Yep, yep. But I remember at one point MST like all of those were banned and MST was limited to one. Yes, and, and so Mobius Mobius popping two cards was so good. Yep, pop and so you play like pop your bottomless, even though you bottomless them, I still get to like you know. Yeah, I still pop two cards. So yep. Mobius and triples of board were the shit. So that was and all the way till now, like Monarchs were always my favorite. And then like when Ryza and Caius came out, like I was. Ryza, I remember Ryza when Ryza dropped, it changed the game. You want to talk about? some ignorant shit, putting your opponent's card on top of their deck and making them redraw yep. it. That yep. was too much. Like Yu-Gi-Oh was not ready for spinning. Shit the top. And then you got Phoenix wing blast. Yep. So in phase, wing, wing blast. blast your back row, put it on top, then draw for turn, tribute my monster, tree bone frog, summon Ryza, spin your monster back to the top of the deck. Yep. And now done. you're back like two turns. Like you're literally behind like two turns. 
Like that, yeah, you, that you used lost to be the nuts. game. If that happens, if somebody got to do Ryza and Wing Blast to you, like you're not winning. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and some of my other, like, so other, other favorite cards for me, I remember the whole thing about me staring at cards in my room. I was, I was a fucking weird kid. So it just is what I was like, Midoriya from My Hero Academia. Like, I would, I would like be staring at how he stared at the TV looking at heroes because he wanted to be one so bad. I would stare at my yeah. cards so hard. I had, uh, I don't even know how I got it, but I got a Chaos Emperor Dragon Envoy the End. And this is when I first started learning how to like really play, like really understanding concepts. I had a Chaos Emperor Dragon, but I didn't have uh, Black Luster Soldier Envoy at the beginning. And one of my good friends, Thomas, um, he had he had Black Luster Soldier. So I always used to like covet that he had like this ridiculous monster that could attack twice. When you summon it, you could banish things. And yeah, Chaos Emperor Dragon was definitely like technically it was the more broken one because you could you could win the game like literally as early as turn one with a Yada Lock. Like if you do. Uh, Witch of the Black Force or Sangan gets killed with Chaos Simple yep. Dragon. You search out Yadagarasu, you attack them, they can't draw, and then literally you just kill them by attacking them yep. every turn with Yadagarasu until they can't draw. If uh, Chaos if Chaos Emperor Dragon didn't kill them because of uh you know burn damage, like right. Chaos would send, not destroy, send all the cards to the graveyard in your hand on the field, and yep. then like burn 300 per card for each, yep. And then yeah, you had Sangan or uh, and Witch. then you would you would eventually draw like Monster Born or Premature Burial. So like people, because yep. I remember I used to play people. I used to yada lock them, and it would be like, well, I'm at seventy eight hundred. So like, yeah, they're like not, I'll deck you out. Yeah, and I was like, well, actually, what's going to happen is you're never going to draw another card. I'm going to eventually draw a special summon. I don't even care what it is. I'm going to draw a special summon, and I'm going to special summon a monster, and also summon Yadagarasu, and I'm going to do the same thing, but it's going to be way more damage, and the game's going to end. And I'll say, yeah. if you want me, I can show you my deck, and I like. It. And they're like, no, 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 keep playing. So they would literally make me go through the motions, which I was playing with. I'm like, I like what I like what's happening. You're sitting there with yeah. no cards in your hand, you can't draw, and I'm playing a fucking solitaire, and I like this. Like, I get back off then. This. Something that was interesting because Yu-Gi-Oh rules were weird. The way the wording on Chaos Emperor, I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh rules are still weird. The way the wording on Chaos Emperor and Black Luster worked was, like, if Black Luster was in my grave, I couldn't Monster Reborn it. But if you summoned him properly at least once, you were able to Monster Reborn him. Like, the way the wording was, so, like, as long as I removed one light, removed one dark to special summon Black Luster or special summon Chaos Emperor, and then I did his effect, summoned to the graveyard, when I drew Monster Reborn, I could Monster Reborn my Chaos Emperor because I summoned them correctly at least once. What's to this day, I don't really remember why that wording works that way, but I remember that's how the judges ruled it. Yeah, that's just how, and that's that's the Yu-Gi-Oh concept now. Like, if you summon something, quote unquote, correctly, you can then start to special summon it back. If it said this card can only be special summoned by whatever, like same thing with, unless the card says the word accept. Yeah, if it says the word accept, don't even fucking look at it. Like, if it falls to the grave, if it's in a different zone, just don't even look at it. I guess there's a few exceptions to the rule where like certain cards say ignore the summoning condition yeah um, but those cards are few and far in between but so we can talk about um like local experience uh and like your first local that type of thing like when when did you start to travel or kind of like go to a card store to play Yu-Gi-Oh? but like when you knew how to play Yu-Gi-Oh, not the beginning days when we were just something yeah. blue eyes like not we were for me it was pretty early because i um alternate universe which anybody in like Philadelphia or the surrounding areas that plays Yu-Gi-Oh knows about AU. Yep. Um, I, I started to go into AU pretty early. Like uh, I had a friend from school that knew about it. So I had a friend from school that knew about this other card store called JMC. Yes. JMC was like 
a closet. It was like yes. the size of a closet. It was so small. <laughs> and then I remember he took me to JMC one time and like I only went there like I eventually went there a couple more times, but I went there once and then he had he was like, oh, I just found out about this other card store. And I remember we walked there one day after school. So we got done school at like 3.15 or whatever. And it was like, no lie, an hour and a half, two hour walk from my school. I'm in seventh wow. grade, I think. And so he was like, yeah, I know where it's at. And we walked there. I'm like, yo, this is a long fucking walk. Right. But we walk. We end up walking all the way there. Um, and I was playing in AU. And then I, at the time, I still didn't have a full grasp. But then because I was going to AU, people started helping me. Like um, a guy... Fraser, you know him, and I'm sure people know him. Steve Silverman. <laughs> he won the last YCS, so yes, we are. Wait, he just won a recent YCS. So funny thing is, before the panorama happened, uh, there was a a tag team or like a a three v three. There was a three v three YCS. That's what it's called. There was a three v three YCS, and Silverman, who barely plays Yu Gi Oh anymore, um, Yo. pretty much was like a rock on. These other two guys team, one of the one of the kids is actually really good. Uh, I think his name is Dom, Dominic Couch. And so they made a team called like, are you going to finish that? Because they're all big. And my boy, <laughs> my boy Scott Page, my boy Scott Page is on the team. Um, so everybody on the team is huge. Like, and this is no shade. They know they're huge. Their team name was called That's Are cool. You Gonna Finish That? And they fucking finished that. They won that YCS. So congrats to them if I haven't said it already a million times. But Yo, that's amazing. But that's someone so actually dope. won the last YCS with that team. And like it's kind of really, it was so random, but like, you know, once you know, like he, he's good at card games in general. So like, once you, I'm really happy you know, for him for that. Cause I've known Silverman since I was, since I was in seventh grade, I know he's older than me. I don't know by how much, but I've known Silverman yeah, since I was in seventh that. grade. <laughs> and, uh, he was always like, when I went to AU, he was always just known as like the best player there. Yes. And he was he there was the all best the time player in Philadelphia. When I, when, when I first learned about like the idea of like a good player or a pro player or whatever, Silverman was the first person I ever saw yep. that was like that for me. Like I was really young. Yep. I remember going to my first regional and he was in top eight playing like snipe hunter. And like, he was rolling dice and saying, um, do it again. Fuck it. I'll do it again. And like, he would roll a dice and it would be like every time he would never miss, he would always hit two through five, never one or six. And he would just like, he would look, he would look at his hand, look at the guy's heel and be like, do it again. And like it, I never realized that that was like, he's a degenerate person. Like he likes to gamble. So that yeah. was probably the most fun thing from like, it started early with this guy. Like That's he always, amazing. and he would literally pop this guy's entire field in like top eight of this regional. I think it was like, it might even been the finals. Cause I remember people were playing baboon burn and shit like that back then. And Silverman would just like pop all his monsters, like discarding cards and just like, he ended up winning. And, and I, I used to think like, man, that guy, I like, yep. I want to, I want to like be good like that guy. Like I want to, I want to be in the roped off area where people are playing the game and everyone's looking from the sidelines. I wanted to be that. I saw that. And that made me like, that made me like really want to step my shit up. Yeah. So he's, so first of all, once again, yeah, I'm really happy for him. Cause I know back in the day he won a couple of YCSs. Like I remember he won with Lice Warren. Yep. He won a YCS um, with Lice Warren and he went on the top a bunch of times. He went to Worlds. Yeah, but I know then for a while, like, I don't think he was doing too well. I don't think he was topping. Or On top of that, he stopped playing as much. Yeah, Silverman started vending. Like, Silverman, um, exactly. he's, one of, he's one of those people that, like... He was like, I'm, I'm going to make more money vending. Yeah, like, it's, here, it's so much more money. money vending. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, once you've won, it kind of, like, your motivation can start to get a little, like, eh, I've already won. Like, yeah, sure, it's fun to top a short to play with friends. But, like, you're not as 
hungry yeah. once you've won. Most yeah. people, anyway. So I'm I'm happy to hear that he won one of the most recent YCSs. That's yes, really cool. He won. So technically, because the the new remote dual YCS living room just happened last weekend, and uh, so that I don't think that concluded though. I think they're going to play the finals in two weeks. But but that just happened, and so we don't have a new YCS champion yet, but we will like soon. Um, but the last YCS winner, Silverman, is part of the winning team. Like he actually won with dinosaurs. That's really cool. So which is actually hilarious. To that, to to my point. So when I started going to AU, he's one of the guys, and I remember him being kind of a DJ. And he was cocky, he was shit, and shit like that because he, he was is. the best. And um, so he was cocky. But even though he was cocky, he would still help people out. So he's one of the guys. I remember he sat down and he looked at my deck, like he flips through my deck real quick, and then like he took like twenty of the cards. He said, "Take all this out of your deck." And he just like yep. take all this out. That's he was like, really Steve. <laughs> he uh, because I had three blue eyes on my deck, and he was like, "These are unplayable. Look, you have to tribute two monsters." Except yep. like you're never going to do that. Like by the time you, he was you giving know, you're you giving up card advantage, he was and so like he really helped me learn, and he helped me really like put together like my first sort of real deck. Uh, he helped me, I think, build um, a really early warrior toolbox deck. Like three Miska Misc- Tomato, Marauding Captain. Right. Re- that used to be such a basic like thing to go to for people, especially yeah. dudes like Marauding Captains, Reinforcement of Armies, all that. Command so, Soldier, I think his name was. Yep. So my first like real deck was a Warrior Toolbox deck that Steve helped me build. And uh, it was really cool. So that's when, so I was in seventh grade when that happened. And I used to walk every single day after school that one, one and a half hour, two hour walk to AU. Um, just, to, just to go to that after local school, get that dope just to play. Rush. Yeah, just to play a little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh! And, uh, and then walk I used to all the same way thing. fucking home. I used, to, I used to leave from school to go to the library um, where all the kids went that play Yu-Gi-Oh! We would all leave and go to the library after school was over. And I didn't really have... Like, my, my parents were so weird. They were so, like, free with me. Like, they weren't really afraid of where I might be. So I would come in the house, like, not late, late, but I would come in the house pretty late. And they'd be like, where were you? And I'm like, library. And we would just, <laughs> just library, like we would just be playing cards in the library. And that dopamine rush, like as soon as the last period of class was over, I was just staring at the clock. Like, I cannot wait to get my deck, go up to the library, which was far, go to the library, play cards, duel. Like even, even we weren't playing for cards back then or anything like that with, with my friends in class, but like we would just like play. And I just loved the yeah. feeling of just playing for hours like God, in my so uniform because I, I went to Catholic school, so I used to have like the uniform on. We're all in our uniform in the library, and we're just like dueling and dueling and dueling. And then we start looking up stuff on the computer, but we won't talk about that. Yeah, dude, I remember like, dude, I'm playing on the. Uh, my mom used to get super mad at me because I would always bring like friends in the house, and we, we, you know, we would just jump around and be kids and shit. And then there was a point in time when like my mom would lock me out of the house and be like, "No, like you're not allowed in until nine o'clock when you have to go to bed." Right. And so she would lock me out and. We would literally, me and my friends would be playing Yu-Gi-Oh! on my front step. Like, we would just be on the front step. We'd set out, like, one of those, like, paper mats from the starter decks. Yep. And we would just be playing Yu-Gi-Oh! on the front step if we weren't at AU. And uh, just, like, them front step duels, man. Like, they were I had a lot. shit. I used them to play front step at nighttime where you had to squint or use yes. a cell phone to, like, like illuminate the field because we couldn't see it. We would play in the cold. I would have on a fucking down jacket. And like boots and gloves, and we would be playing Yu-Gi-Oh in the freezing cold on somebody's steps, like shivering and everything, putting our hands in our pocket because we just wanted to play that. Bad. Yes, yes. I, oh my god, I remember. Um, so yeah, I used to go to AU a AU a lot, right? But I had friends that lived like pretty far away that also still played Yu-Gi-Oh a lot, and I only got to see them like once a month. 
So we would do phone duels. We would literally call each other right, on the house phone. That's a little phone. wild. That's a little freaky. I didn't get into that. I would call. Listen, <laughs> my, little... my friend Medina, a friend of mine named TJ and Cheyenne, we'd literally call each other and like shuffle our deck and we would play on the phone and he'd be like, all right, I summon, you know, whatever. I set two back row. Like, all right, what do you have on the field again? What is this? And like, we would just keep talking about each other's field and we would literally play over the fucking phone. Yeah, and, uh, it got to that point with Skype too. Like at, at some point later, like much later, but Skype duels became a thing. Um, people used to do that. Like literally yep. have like, all right, I, you have to just trust me to shuffle and trust me to do everything. But like, we're going to duel on Skype because we were just that much of a, we yeah, were fiends. Everyone, it was dope. If you play Yu-Gi-Oh, you probably were a fiend. I was fiending and for it, man. You I might still be a fiend and there's nothing wrong with being a fiend. For the most part, Nobody cheated except for my one friend. I won't say his name. Every fucking time he needed seven tools to bandit, he has. I was like, man, you're fucking cheating. I was like, you have seven, seven. That's tools such a random card to cheat like, with, though. I'll like, that's never not, forget. I can see we were talking about like pot of green, always like had seven tools, mirror force, something like that. You're talking about seven tools and a fucking bandit. Every single fucking time he, he needed seven tools, he, he had soul. seven tools. I was like, knew. come on, man. Like you always have seven tools. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, so let me dive into. So that's that's pretty much like you going to locals, that whole thing. I want to talk about JMC Collectibles because that's where yeah. that was like my first, like technically that was my first local. That's the first place that I played in a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. Um, JMC Collectibles, close to Philly. I used to go there and I was really young when I first went. Seeing this is now at this point, we're in GOAT format. I don't know what that means, but we're in GOAT format. So I'm young. I go to the store and these people just have, everyone's pretty much playing the same deck, like kind of like a variant of the same deck. Um, lights, darks, uh, chaos soldier, that whole thing, confiscation. Like th- it was like the first ever forbidden list. It was like, it was like that first time when they first made a, a list where you had to like, you couldn't play this, you couldn't play that. Um, and was I just force remember century out yet. Um, yeah, it was, it was cool. the Lincoln duo forceful confiscation. Like oh this is like God. the first <laughs> ever limited list. Yeah, people would just have, people had binders and like, I was used to seeing, binders that were kind of like eh, whatever like these are local binders that just didn't have much but these people had like i'm talking about a page of ring of destructions a page of gemini elves a page of chaos emperor dragons and i was like damn like these people have so they were they were grown like they were they were adults and they just had so much i couldn't fathom like holy shit like how do you end up with so many cards and then like a lot of times the people who had all those cards they weren't even necessarily like good at the game they were more so like collectors who happened to have decks and they would play in the tournaments and stuff like that but like that local is like the beginning of my Yu-Gi-Oh life because essentially that is where i meet sean mccabe and we're both like legit 13 or 14 um super super young I meet this kid. His dad used to always come to the local with him. We end up playing in one of the tournaments. He scrapes me. Like the first time, the first time I played at a JMC local, I was playing with my Warrior Toolbox deck, or I was playing with my Fiend deck, which was basically a copy of Cam's like Fiend deck with three Dark Necro Fears. I got scraped. They were playing Chaos. They were playing Goats and Metamorphosis and all that shit, or like some kind of like Chaos deck. So I got absolutely destroyed. And immediately after I got destroyed, one of the uh, guys there named Kevin Daly, he was like, "Let me see your stuff." Him. Yep. Dante and Kevin were like the two best players at that local. Yep. Um, Kevin walks into me. He's really nice. He's he was like, uh, let me see your stuff. So he looked at my stuff. He wanted to trade me, but I could tell because of how good he was, like he beat the shit out of me. I could tell how good he was that I should not trade this guy. I knew he wanted a lot. Of, I had like Sacred Phoenix and Nephthys, um, a lot of cool cards. And he wanted he, to juice you. He tried to juice me. He wanted to juice me, but I knew I was like, this guy's way too good. 
and he opened my binder. He looked through every, my binder was insane. It like, it started to get like really, really good. Um, not as good as some of the adults, but like, it was a good binder for somebody who was like 13, 14. Like I had some good shit and he looked at all my stuff. He was like, yo, why don't you like play chaos? Like we're playing. And I was like, like the light dark deck. And he was like, yeah, like just play like chaos. Like, and we started to literally sit there and we magician of faiths, night assailants, I had a time wizard in my deck at one point. Um, Apprentice Magician was in my deck. I remember playing Sacred Phoenix and Nephthys, and I had a little combo with Ring of Destruction and Time Wizard and Torrential Tribute that I would do. Uh, but he basically helped me build like my first Chaos deck. And we would, I would play him. I never won. He would destroy me. Even when I had that crazy deck, he would just beat me every single time. And that started to tell me like, okay, I was the best amongst my friends, but then I go to this local store and everyone is like pretty much better than me. Like yep. Cade was better than me. Dante was way better than me. Kevin was way better than me. I thought like, there's no, like these guys are so far ahead and they used to beat me. I used to come back every Saturday, play at that local and get scraped. And I would come back every single week nonstop because I just like, I had to have it. I had to play. I had to compete. It was in my blood. Like I needed, yeah, I needed baby. better. It was like the hyperbolic time chamber. I was like, I'm going to be better. Dude. It's crazy that we could have met at that exact same time. I was going to AU every Saturday. Yeah. So like Cause if, it was up the street. JMC yeah. and AU are actually like, they're literally a linear line from each other, but they're kind of like, there's like probably like four miles between them or something like it's that. It's fucking crazy that we didn't meet until Red Caps yes. in 2010. Yep. Because like we were both playing Yu-Gi-Oh! every single weekend. I played every and Saturday going, and got scraped every Saturday. That's faithfully. fucking, it's so crazy. And I loved every minute of it. Like I didn't like losing because I'm, I'm like, I don't, obviously I don't like losing. I'm a very competitive person. The people who know me, and if you don't know me, I'm a very competitive person. So I really, really hated losing to these guys every weekend. Every time I had to play them, it was, it was to the point where Dante used to say stuff like, come on, Frazier, come on, time for, time for me to wax that. Like, he knew, like, he was paired against me, he was going to beat me. Even though, technically, I had a deck that was, like, very similar to his. Like, I had a Chaos deck. It was, like, the same concepts, all the same things. But I just didn't know how to actually play the game. Yeah, yeah you didn't have the meta. You didn't no. have, like, the meta mindset. And also, Kevin also put me on metagame.com. So then I started to study that. I started to go home and like literally spend hours on metagame.com looking up the top eight decks, looking up articles, reading feature matches. And that like that consumed my life. Like I didn't what care about school name? anymore. What was the name of that other website that everybody used to use for Yu-Gi-Oh? Pojo. Like po- Pojo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I know exactly where you were going. I'm like a Yu-Gi-Oh and I'm a couldn't remember the historian. name. Of it. Yeah, Pojo was like big because po- Pojo also had like Pokemon training card game, yep. magic, but it was really a, a nice and toxic place for Yu-Gi-Oh. It was. It's like early Smash Bros. <laughs> yes, yes. So metagame, I got put on metagame. I started to pick up like the meta, like literally the meta, um, which I think someone said most efficient tactics available is what meta means. But uh, I started to pick up on metagame.com, started seeing top eight decks from actual like Shonen Jump Championships and stuff like that. I started the net deck. I was a huge net decker. I would, I had, I pretty much had like any deck I wanted, I could make it because I had so many cards at that time. So I would like net deck and I, whoever won the white, like those Shonen Jump Championship, I would pretty much just make their deck card for card, come into the local the next Saturday and get scraped again and be like, damn, this guy won with this deck. How come I... How come I'm losing with it? What the fuck? Like literally every time. McCabe would beat me again. McCabe used to beat me in some of the most ignorantly lucky ways. I remember one time he put me down to 4,100 life points, but he only has one card in hand. He literally has Sukuyomi. I beat, like, this is the first time I thought I was ever going to beat him. This is, like, game three. I think I'm finally about to beat McCabe. We're, like, we're both, like, 13 or 14. It's game three. He has Sukiyomi. I have literally plus four on him. Plus four or five. I have so many cards. I have my Black Luster Soldier Envoy to beginning on the field. I don't think I have any back rows. And if I do, it's probably, like, MST or something. He goes draw for turn. Oh, wow. 
I think that's game. Summon Black Lost Soldier. <laughs> he goes, Summon Black Lost Soldier, Envoy to Beginning. Summon Sukuyomi. Put your Black Lost Soldier, Envoy to Beginning phase down. Attack with my soldier. Attack directly for 3,000. Attack for 1,100. Exactly 41. You're dead. I fucking lost it. That's when I first realized, I was like, this kid, this kid is so lucky. And I, I can't beat him. And I, I thought, I, I was like, I'm finally about to beat this kid. And he did that sacky shit to me. And I hated him. I hated That's him. That's fucking amazing. Like, I hated him. I was like, I cannot stand this. Like, I was like, damn, I was finally going to beat one of the big three. Because, like, Sean McCabe, Kevin Daly, Dante Jones, those were, like, the big three at the local. And they would just scrape me up every week. Every time I did, it was just, a, I was a buy. I was a fucking <laughs> walk. I was that kid. I was a buy. That's fucking great. Yeah. But oh, I, uh, tables turn, right? You and that Sean McCabe story. Now, you know, this, that reminds me of uh, the one time I almost beat you. Oh yes. Um, oh yes. Dog. The Light Sworn, right? Yes. I, I was playing Twilight Sworn. I was playing, so you know, when, when I met Fraser, we became really good friends pretty quickly. And then he helped me like make my deck better and build my deck. And I remember like one or two weeks after meeting him, we were already really good friends. And I was at we were at Red Caps, which is another card store, and I was playing with Monarchs. He was using, I think, Lone Fire Blossom deck. Yeah. Um, the plant deck. And uh we were playing and like so like 15 minutes after Red Caps was closed, but we were still playing, we wrapped up. The guy was like, all right, Frazier, like, come on, we got to go. And then we would leave, whatever. Anyway, I've known him for a long time. Uh, and then we're playing one day at uh, AU, at a local at AU. Yep. And we both enter and I play him in tournament. And uh, I'm playing French Twilight, by the way. So if anybody knows what French Twilight is, a guy won a YCS or Shonen Jump Championship with a Twilight deck. It was like Light Swarm, but it had Tragodia Times 3, Mm-hmm. And chaos sorcerers, and like it basically was a life deck that could uh, control plague spreader zombie plague spreader. It could control itself, so it like it, it it slowed itself down. Like it would mill a lot to get the initial setup, but then it would like slow itself down because life used to sometimes deck out. Like it wasn't real if you were good, but like you know you could deck out. Te- like technically you could lose by decking out. Yep. And so I'm playing him, and now I've beaten him in games before, but yep. I've never actually beaten him in a set like a yep. met, like a two out of three. I've never beaten him, right? And so I'm sitting there. It's game three. Like, I think he won the first one. I won the second one. Whatever. doesn't matter. Right. But it's game three. I'm sitting there. I'm playing him. And in my head, I'm like, I'm going to fucking be Frazier. Like, I got him. Yep. Like, we're you friends. were looking at me, too. The yeah, look, I, was, I, could feel, I could feel it. I felt it. He was like, oh, I finally got him. And I was like, things, I was kind of annoyed because I don't like losing, especially to people who never beat me. I just have a, <laughs> like a, a fucking mentality about that. So I'm sitting there and I can feel the smugness on this fucking guy's face. I'm fucking, I yo. feel it because he knows. He knows that he's so close to beating I'm me. Fuck, I have no cards I'm in deck. there. I'm at the, his deck is empty. He has zero fucking cards. He takes like a five minute turn. He is looking at his hands, his hand for like a whole five yep. minutes. And I don't remember the exact play, but I remember it was a plague spreader zombie play to yep. put a card back on top of his deck. And then like, ultimately, I don't remember the exact play, but he ends up beating me. Yep. And I end I up killing you at, at the very last moment. Like I literally am about to deck out. I plague spreader to give myself one more card on top of my deck. And then I like probably drop like some JDs or like some, I don't know. So, I dropped some. some I did something to like not deck out that turn, and then I then I killed you on the following turn. Yes, and then like I remember just like sitting. I'm so fucking close. It was, and then like the game was over, and like we shook hands, and it was like tense for like a second. It was because I was tense for a I second. Felt that smugness, dog. But I then we just kind of laughed. We like shook hands I, and just laughed. You were like, I remember Frazier saying like something like you thought you had. Me. Like, you thought, <laughs> like he was like you thought. Like, 
Because it was tense for like a moment. It was. But then we I was kind of You could tell I got serious. You could tell I got yeah. serious because I got real quiet. Like we, we, we probably, when we played, we used to like joke around and like have a really casual. Yes. Like I wasn't really competitive with you like that, but I'm a competitive person naturally. And yeah. everyone knows that. So like beating me, people wanted to beat me. Like obviously I was fucking good at, at, yeah. in my area. I was one of the best players. And like, I didn't want to lose, even though it was like a fun game or whatever. I still, look, well, that was a tournament. <laughs> Yeah, that was totally, but, like, yep. but like, even though it was like, you know, it's just a local, it's not regionals, it's not showing jump championship and nothing crazy like that. <laughs> I still didn't want to lose, not at especially all. to somebody who I was like, I have beaten this guy every time. And he literally has me uh, no cards in deck. Like I drew my, I drew for a turn. I drew my last card and I'm literally looking like, and I have like, my field is like Lumina, Lumina, Garof or some shit. Like just, it's wild. So I'm like, yo, I cannot go out like this. And I, I'm <laughs> plague spreadering black rose in the field, maybe to get rid of like, the whole so i don't mill any more cards so i have one more draw next turn and like it was it was nuts like the play i did whatever i did was nuts yeah i don't um, remember the exact play i the, the the one the only part of the play i remember is plague spreader yeah because it put a card back on yep, it gave me an extra turn an extra turn yeah. was i needed that to kill you and uh, uh that was amazing man that was i'll never that was like because even though i didn't win it's still like such a good memory oh that like, memory I, I remember it vividly just because of like i felt your energy <laughs> when you thought you had me like i fucking, oh my, I felt fucking got him baby Yep. I got him. And then, yeah, it was cool. And then afterwards, we just shook hands and kind of laughed. I remember, like, you thought you fucking had me. Yep. You fucking thought you had me. Yep. I was like, I fucking had you, man. I fucking had you. <laughs> Not today. Uh, uh, all right. So let's let's move on to the next segment because uh, we're going to wrap yeah. up soon. Uh, so Broken Cards in History. Yes. So for this episode, Broken Cards in History, we're going to talk about Graceful Charity a little bit. Graceful. Uh, if you don't know what Graceful Charity does, it's one of the first cards that ever came out. Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm pretty sure it was in a starter deck. Um, draw it was three a cards. Deck, or something. Yes, yeah. it was. It was in a starter deck for sure. Draw three cards, discard two cards. So, just a very in every card game ever. That card is that's a broken card in every card game. Like draw three. It's an okay two. card in Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon has cards that are like draw seven because Pokemon be wild in. Like I don't. <laughs> okay. But anyway, draw three, discard two. A very good effect in like most games anyway so grace for charity so this card used to be so ridiculous back in my first ever like competitive format which was chaos like the whole goat control used to play graceful charity and then you would magician of faith and get it back and just play it over and over usually yep. you discard sinister serpent at one point Yu-Gi-Oh, night assailant was a thing so like people would discard night assailant and get back night assailant until they like restricted it to one Yep. It was like a little loop you could do. But basically, Graceful Charity just gave you like so much free advantage because you got to draw three cards. And discarding cards wasn't really a big deal because you don't need all your cards anyway. Yeah, and this is Sinister Serpent pre-nerf. Back yes. in the day, Sinister Serpent, you put it in your graveyard and at the next standby phase, it went back to your hand. Yeah, and it did it, it forever. Really, yeah, it did it for the rest of the game. Like, that's just what it did every turn. So like, Graceful Charity was nuts and looping Graceful Charity was insane. Uh, Graceful Charity has been banned, I feel like, 10 plus years. I don't know if Graceful has ever like since it's gotten banned, I don't think it's ever come back. It's that Damn, ridiculous. Man, that card is too good. Um, you guys can let us know in the comments or like, you know, submit an email to us at I am their podcast at gmail.com. But I'm pretty sure Graceful has been banned and never got off. And I asked one of the up and coming, like better players. Actually, I shouldn't even say up and coming. This guy is a YCS champion already. I knew him since he was young, Christian Arena. Um it's kind of interesting because like now he's won a YCS. He actually won a, I believe it was a three V three YCS, or maybe it was like a two V two YCS, something like that. But he won a YCS. 
really good player. I literally watched this kid because he goes, he used to go to AU as well. Um, I literally watched this kid like grow up and be, I guess, a scrub, right? Like be a casual scrub to like now he's literally one of the top players in the game, which I actually love seeing. Um, but I actually messaged him and asked like, so I don't play current Yu-Gi-Oh, but would Graceful Charity be good in today's day and age? And, you know, he responded. I'm going to read out his response. <laughs> so he goes, so he goes, yeah, like it would be ridiculous. Like he said it would be absolutely insane. Every single deck would play it because every deck has an effect that would trigger in the graveyard and Sky Striker would have three spells on turn one. So people who know Sky Striker, you know, like engage literally graceful charity. You could discard two spells and then graceful will go to the grave. And then that would literally trigger engage the full effect of engage immediately on turn one. So I didn't even think about that. And I actually know what Sky Strikers do. So he was like, Sky Striker will have three spells on turn one. He considers it to be a super staple. And he said, if you want an example of what the top decks that would get the full effect of like Dryton, Names in the Graveyard, uh, Tri-Brigade, uh, Tri-Brigade fueling the graveyard for their effects against Sky Strikers, three spells, Virtual World discarding uh, Kenlong. I don't know what that is, but Kenlong and their traps. And he was like, yeah, it would be a super staple. It would be absolutely nuts. Like, Graceful Charity in today's yeah. day and age would break the game. No question. That card that card is never not good in Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, back yeah. in the day, like, I don't know. I don't remember if you mentioned it or not. But, yeah, during Chaos, you just, you draw three, discard a Dark Light, summon Emperor. Yep. Summon Black. Just Oscar, that easy. Like. Turn one. Turn one, here's Emperor. Like, deal with it. Um, so, Graceful Charity was nuts. And I feel like if I think about, like, I played a lot. I played 10-plus years of Yu-Gi-Oh competitively. And... Graceful Charity just in the dark. I remember when Dark Worlds came out, and I thought that that was as bad as it could get because, like, Graceful, you discard gold and silver, and they would come to the field. Like, we thought that that was broken, but like, you know, the then Graceful we got to, like, was already banned by then, though, right? When Dark Worlds came out, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, but, but I'm just what we thought. You're like, saying, like, yeah, if, at the time, we if. thought, like, oh, Graceful could never come back because Dark World, like, yeah, we yeah, thought, we yeah, thought yeah. that that was the tip of the iceberg, but then, like, the game got uh, Frog Monarchs with Treeborn Frog. Yep. Which Graceful Charity would have been nuts in, right? We Unfair. got we got Diamond Dew Turbo, which was a deck that just played a bunch of spell cards that killed you in one turn. We got uh Return Dad, uh, which is another graveyard dependent deck. You needed three darks in grave to summon Dark Arm Dragon. Uh a little bit more recent, like I guess 2014, 2015 era was like Burning Abyss. A, a, a deck that just completely uses the graveyard. Like everything about it is a graveyard deck. Graceful Charity would have been nuts in that deck. Um, but apparently, even in current Yu-Gi-Oh!, every single deck, every single real deck, Graceful Charity would be absolutely nuts. Yeah. I actually think about that uh, that funny meme from Invincible where you have Omni-Man, and he, after he beat the shit out of his son, he's looking at him, and he's like, look at what they have to do to mimic a portion of their power. So like now, yeah. <laughs> now people are playing like Pot of Desires, and like pot of extravagance to like just to draw two cards, they're like banishing their top 10 or banishing their extra deck and doing all this extra shit. And like Graceful Charity is just out here, like draw three, discard two, no cost, no, no, you can't special summon or none of that nonsense. Nothing. None of this. It was you so can't. simple. Two there sentences. No, yeah, two sentences. Those are the <laughs> most broken cards. Like any card <laughs> that just doesn't have a lot of text, broken. Destroy all monsters on the field. Just bro- like broken. Like just one line get right to it none of this you don't need a bunch of lines like graceful charity was just that um absolutely insane card <laughs> insane card yeah that card that card can never come back there was even an argument back when i was uh when i first started to become competitive and trying to like conceptualize Yu-Gi-Oh. 
I used to argue with people like, what do you really think is better to play over and over again? Graceful Charity or Pot of Greed? Because, you know, it was a Magician of Faith format. Most people were playing two Magician of Faiths. Some people played three. Uh, Normally the cross out was a thing. So like, whatever. But yeah. Magician of Faith and Graceful Charity was like a big deal, especially if you got your Sinister. And it was argued like, you know, maybe I used to say, I think Graceful's actually stronger. Just you're seeing an extra card. And like, yeah, you're discarding two. Usually you are discarding a Sinister. So technically you're not discarding like two real cards. Yeah. Um, but I'm a firm believer that you don't need all your cards to win anyway. And like, yes, pot is an overall advantage because you just, it's raw. You just get two cards. There's no discarding or anything, but like seeing more of your deck. I just think that in, in every card game, if you just see more of your deck than your opponent, uh, you will just win the game because you're playing to the situation that's evolving. Like right yep. now I need to find a cross out to like, oh, I know he has a mission to face that. Like, I'm, I need to find a cross on Grace of Charity technically gets you there closer, like, faster. Like, even though drawing two is nice, drawing three to one extra card, and then maybe even setting up your graveyard. So you're like, oh, I drew BLS. I can just summon it and priority banish your face down Magician of Faith. I didn't draw a cross out, but it's good enough. Like, stuff like that. It's good enough. <laughs> yes. The whole, that whole priority mechanic with Black Lesson Soldier Envoy at the beginning, just crazy time. Yeah. But yeah, that's broken Great. cards in history. Uh, so now we want to read uh, some of the emails that we got uh, yes, for the yes. podcast. So I'm actually going to do that now. Um, we got to. I'll, real quick before you read them, um, I you know we, this isn't anything we talked about or they talked about. So uh, I would avoid saying their last name because for some of these you can see their last name. Yeah, unless yeah, somebody was... says like, "Hey, you're allowed. You can say my full name." Uh, I'll just say your first name. I don't want to say your last name without like permission yep. or whatever. We will definitely only be saying first names. And sometimes we'll even assign a name to the email, like an anonymous name. Like we'll just get yeah. one. Um, that's fine. So our first ever email to the I Am Nerd podcast uh, is from Joel. And Joel says, hi, my name is Joel. Great first podcast. And I enjoy listening. Had a few questions I wanted to get both of your thoughts and opinions about. So his first question is review of Loki season finale and thoughts on the next phase of the MTU. Uh, So Joel, I have finished Loki. I finished it like two days ago, Um, but I believe Kenny has not actually started. No. So So I can, I can promise you we will do a full talk about Loki and probably a bunch. We'll do just because of how many MCU movies there are and shows. We'll probably have to do multiple episodes to cover a lot of them. Uh, We'll probably have. Yeah. So but anyway, I can't really talk about Loki at the moment. I'm in the process of re-going through the full uh, series from the beginning. I got Disney Plus, and I'm up. I just watched Iron Man three last night. I watched. I basically didn't get to see every single Marvel movie, and just because like I want to see them all in order, I was like, "Fuck it," and I've been binging all the Marvel movies in order. So I really want to watch Loki, but I'm waiting until I I see everything that leads up to it. So right. I'll be on it soon enough. All right. So question number two, uh, name a game you found difficult or a gaming moment where you wanted to break your controller. <laughs> oh, man. So um, in terms of a recent game that I found really dif- difficult or at least want to break my controller, Knockout City. It's a 3v3 dodgeball game, uh, team-based game. It is insanely fun. I've been playing it a lot. Um, but when you play by yourself and you have like randos as your teammates mm-hmm. – it is infuriating. Like, <laughs> people just run in. They fucking run in and try to team fight 1v3. Like, they don't team play. They don't pass the ball. And they're just so 
am brain dead. And it's a few, there are multiple times where like, I want to break my controller. I have a bottle right here, a bottle of vitamin water. That's like messed up. I'm showing the camera. I was so <laughs> angry the one day and I don't rage like this anymore. I was so angry the one day I grabbed the bottle and I was just smacking it against my desk. Like I was just smacking. The, I was so angry. Cause like my team would just run in. And in terms of recently knockout city, I, it's one of my favorite games I've ever played right now, but Sometimes my teammates make me want to break my fucking controller. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that completely, um, which is why I don't do many things that involve teams, because relying on people is shit. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> I'm just going to be, yeah. I'm going to just keep it as candid as that. Like it is just, so for me, um, I have a lot of experiences with games that I found difficult, but I mean, Final Fantasy VIII had a part where you fought like Omega Weapon and I used to fucking rage. Like he, yeah. he was an optional boss that you fought towards the end of the game and I would get scraped and nothing I did even came close to beating. I was like, this is bullshit. Like this is, this game is such bullshit. Like I used to, you know, curse and go crazy and just that, I think I actually threw a PlayStation controller, like when I was really young and maybe even broke an analog stick because I was that mad. Like that game used to piss Probably. me off as much yeah. as I loved it. Some of those battles, I did not like losing. <clears throat> yeah. Another quick, real quick example of a single player game, uh, XCOM. Two, XCOM One's okay, but XCOM Two. A lot of people told me I would like it because I'm really in the strategy games. But I'm not going to get all into it right now. But XCOM Two, I honestly just think is poorly designed. Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe I was just being bad. But XCOM Two was just frustrating. Like I played on the hardest difficulty, and it wasn't fun. It was just like frustrating. Um, I didn't really enjoy that. And then uh, back to competitive games, Melee. I played it. I played Melee since it came out, and uh, I played it competitively. And that's just a hard fucking game. Yes, that is a. I can agree. Melee is a very difficult game, um, especially at a high level. Like it depends on what you want out of it. But if you're playing, if you're trying to play at a high level, Melee is Super Smash Bros. By the way, uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee is just insanely difficult. I concur with that. I've definitely seen people rage quit from that game for sure. Um, what else would I say is difficult? I, oh, okay. Uh, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. So. There was a part in the Forest Temple where you fight like a, a Phantom Ganon. Yeah. And I was young. I didn't know, like, I didn't know anything really. But I remember having Game Informer magazines. I don't know if you guys know what Game Informer is, but Game Informer magazine had like a strategy guide for certain games in it. And one of them was Ocarina of Time. It said that you needed to, he would throw out these projectiles. And it said that you need to volley with Ganondorf. And then when he's weakened, like, you can attack him. That's what it would say, like, in the strategy guide. So I didn't really know what the fucking word volley meant because I was too young to like understand that word. So I, I literally used to play him and I would try to shoot an arrow at him. I would throw a bomb at him. I would dense fire, Ferrari's win, Nehru's love. Like, I mean, literally bomb, everything. bomb chew, try to attack him with the master sword. Nothing worked. I was like, this is this is ridiculous. Like I'm using everything I have in my arsenal and nothing works on this guy and the whole time. All you have to do is when he throws this stupid projectile, slap it back to him and then he gets hurt and then you could go and attack him. But I didn't know that. I raged as a kid. I used to tell all my friends this game is fucking stupid. <laughs> this game, I hate this game. All right. Yeah, that game's I, I actually hate, ridiculous. Yes, the game is ridiculous. <laughs> I hate this game. Don't want to play it. Like y'all can take this 64 shit and walk it out. I was not a fan. So yeah, that was my difficult one. Definitely threw my... Uh, my controller, my N64 controller, and and it didn't operate because, you know, Nintendo products just, they can take a beating. Um, they can. So question number three from Joel, 
reflection on playing games locally versus online. And he gives the example of like GoldenEye. So I guess I'll lead with this one. I played GoldenEye um, back in the day. Like I was a, I was an avid GoldenEye, Diddy Kong Racing. I played like I used to love, I used to go over to my uh, cousin's house and they would have a 64 with all the games, uh, WWF, SmackDown or whatever it was called or No Mercy, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was like No Mercy or something like that. We used to play all of that shit. And there was no like online play or at least not that we knew of. But we would play uh, GoldenEye. I don't really care for shooting games like that. I'm not a big first person shooter person, but like I actually enjoy, for whatever reason, playing with Oddjob, Golden eye, I'm a terrible person. I'm, I will pick. I have no problem. This is like I have no problem picking the cheesiest character, playing the cheesiest <laughs> decks, like using the most cheesy strategies. Like I fucking want with gravekeepers playing Royal Tribute, people dropping their hands. So like I definitely, yeah. I totally get the whole you know play what's unfair. I like breaking things. I like things being like unfair. I would play with odd job, and that shit used to get my rocks off. Like I would get my rocks off. So every my friends my, my cousins would be like that guy's cheating like how come you you always pick him and it's like i can't shoot him i can't hit him and stuff i'm like yeah i don't, I don't know I, I don't know i'm fucking i'm my job but um nowadays the, the cool kids have like all this online stuff and my first experience with like playing a first person shooter online was halo not fun um i'm not good at first person shooters like for whatever reason like i actually have good hand-eye coordination but uh, I just never took the time to really learn them. And yeah. when I started playing Halo, like online with my friends, I would just drag, I was a rock. I would just drag the team down. And uh, that was that was just my role. Like I just wasn't good. And I felt bad. And I was like, you know, I don't want to play this anymore. I suck at this. And I'm really good at, uh, if I'm not good at something, I don't do it. Like I'll try it. Once I realize like, this is not for me. And and if it's going to take me a lot of time to become good at it, I will just quit the game. Like I don't want, cause I'm such a competitive person that I will put in the time to become yeah. good at the game. But like, like melee, for example, like I only play casual because it takes so much dedication to become really good at melee. And I don't have the time or resources to just like dedicate that. Like I already dedicated so much of my life to Yu-Gi-Oh. So like back then I only, like I couldn't give another game that much time. So I just, I would never like really take it serious. And the same thing yeah. with like Halo and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, for me, yeah, if I was the guy Pokemon for you. Like but, remember, uh, Pokemon, Pokemon used to be like local with a link cable. Yeah. And now yeah. it's online. Like, and I know you used to play competitively on like smog and stuff. So, yeah. So to, I'll get to Pokemon in one quick second. For me, I do miss playing games locally. I was the guy that I always invited everybody over my house I always bought, like, I would buy all the party games. Like, I bought all the Mario parties and Mario Karts and Smash and all that other shit. And, like, I played all the games that you would play with a group of people, GoldenEye. And I would always invite everybody over my house to play them. Online, it's, like, cool because I can play with my friends that live in Australia and shit. But I found that through the nature of the internet, how many games just exist, it's a lot more rare that all of my friends play the same game. Right. So even though we can play any game together at any time, we don't because he's playing this game and I'm playing this game and he's playing that game. And he doesn't really care about this game. Whereas before you yeah. just go over to your friend's house and play what was there. Yeah. The library of games just... is too big. I guess is what you're saying. Like we yeah. actually have too many choices. So it's like really hard to get people to want to play the same game as you when you're playing it. Yeah. And so online, although technically better, I do miss, I do miss just being able to play the same game with everybody and 
it's also fun just being in person with somebody and like like if me and Frazier had that duel on dueling like over the internet uh where i almost beat him it wouldn't have been the same it wouldn't have been the same same. energy if we were over the internet when that happened. yeah i i always tell people i prefer like face-to-face everything like i don't mind technology like i'm not against technology but like when it comes to things like card games being in front of my opponent and seeing their emotions and reading their energy their body energy sometimes they say things they shouldn't say sometimes they do things they shouldn't do with their like physicality i pick up on those types of things and like that to me is part of the game like literally reading your opponent so i totally get when you say like it being in the same room with your hurt like playing someone in melee like in person as opposed to playing them because now you can play melee online you know, yeah online you can play yeah roll back neck it's not the same as playing in person it's just not the same yeah and, um, and we do like certain game you know i love online gaming now don't get me wrong monster hunter the monster hunter franchise if you know me you know that i fucking love monster hunter we're gonna have a whole podcast about that because both of us are fiends yes. um but we played monster hunter rise the one that just came out which is like kenny's real that's his first real monster hunter game we played that shit for 10 plus hours a day together online, just like on Discord talking and playing Moss Hunter with uh, people on his stream. And literally, it brings me so much joy that like he's at his house, I'm at my house. These people who we don't even really know, they're wherever they are. And we're just playing this game together. And our characters like have on different clothes and different weapons. Yeah. I, I love that. Like that, that's, that's amazing, something yeah. that I, lit- I literally love the feeling of like this this world that exists where you don't have to worry about all the nonsense going on outside all the election and all the bullshit politics and gender politics and race politics. Like you just can literally exist in a virtual world with your friends, no matter where they are. Just kill Rathalos and just have fun and kill. Yeah. Kill a fucking Rathalos. Kill a, kill anything. Kill a Fatalis right at the end. Shit was, uh, shit was fun. But on the Pokemon thing, I won't get too into it now. Cause that that's a larger conversation, but in terms of locally and uh, online, I didn't play Pokemon competitively too much when it was locally, like Link Cable and shit, um, just because maybe because I was younger and also just the resource of it. Uh, but once Pokemon went online um, and you could battle people over the Internet, I that's when I started taking it seriously. And I played really competitively and entered a bunch of tournaments and did it really well. Uh, so yeah, Pokemon me for everything me, I know about like competitive Pokemon. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I can have a we can definitely have like a whole thing about that. I can't get into it now, but yeah, Pokemon online. I, I mean, I love because I just I loved loved competing in that game, and I, I played it so fucking much. Yeah, you were on Smog and Heavy. You were one, you're the one who introduced me to Smogin and like that whole world. Yeah, um, yeah. So we we will definitely do some Pokemon competitive Pokemon, um, and also like the Pokemon trading card game because uh, you know some of us have experience with that, and also Pokemon the anime. Pokemon is the biggest franchise in the world. So at some yes, point we will definitely <laughs> we will definitely discuss the Pokemon franchise. Um, and then Joel has one last question, which is a quick one. Have either of you experienced virtual reality? What are your thoughts on virtual reality as a form of gaming or watching films, etc.? Uh, Kenny? Um, yeah, I've experienced it. I had like I put the VR. It's pretty cool. It's it's like kind of surreal. Like I remember I wouldn't say I played like I didn't play like a full real game, but I played sort of like a demo game. And I had the VR headset on and it like put me in this elevator and I went really high up and it does like trick your brain. Like it felt like I was in an elevator oh, wow. in a way. And it like tricked my brain. I could like look down and like look all around me and then like, like a fucking plane crashed into the building and the building started falling. And like, it does kind of trick your brain a little bit. Like it, it sort of scares you a bit. And so it was cool. It was a cool experience. However, I'm greedy. 
and I'm a fucking weeb. So like, I don't, <laughs> to me that that's still fake VR. Like I want, oh, I want no. some dot hack. You want some black online. mirror type. Shit. I want, I want to put a helmet on and I like my consciousness is in the, like, I feel like I'm right. like, I do a back. You want some sort of feel online, like I'm I might get trapped in this game type. That's shit. what I want, man. I want, want real VR. You want some matrix. If I die in this, I die in real life. Like, I want you, Tron. I want Tron, man. I want real <laughs> VR. Yeah. So I don't have much experience with virtual reality. Honestly, I, the, and this, this is wild, but I feel like the last time I ever had virtual virtual reality was when I was like legit, 10 or 11 and i went to this place called um i don't even remember it was some arcade place that was next to my house i went there and they had a tekken and you would put on like the headset and you choose your character whatever and you would have to like punch and kick and like it would do that one this like you would play a computer character and you punch and kick and would like literally do the same thing but it was like really finicky back in the day like i'm, I'm yeah. talking this is this is years and years ago so it wasn't it wasn't good uh and i just remember thinking that's such a gimmick now from what I understand, virtual reality has gotten like very real um, or way more real anyway. And I have not seen the new technology actually being used yet, but I'm sure it's absurd. Yeah, it's pretty cool, but I, I don't want people to get complacent. I want I want the real shit. Yes. I want, yeah. I want to get stuck in a game. Like I said, you want that sort of online where you can have a relationship with somebody. That's what I want, man. And uh, actually feel, everything feels real, if you know what I mean. And if you, you know, if you die in that, you die in real life. Yeah. And then finally, he's uh, he doesn't have a question, but his last thing is just he recommends we both watch Castlevania. I've actually seen season one and I've been meaning to get to season two. And like I, I think season three is out now. Um, I, I just haven't gotten a chance to yet, but I have seen season one and Frazier. I will Castlevania on Netflix is fucking fire. Everyone like, says that. So I think it I'm, I think I'm going to make that like the next show that I binge because I've seen WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, which we're all we're going to talk about all of that stuff. But then I also want to definitely get into the other popular shows like Castlevania. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, for um, sure. But anyway, guys, so that is going to wrap up this episode of the I Am Nerd podcast. I am in. Um, we um, had such a wonderful time talking to you all. Yes, Can you yes. want to say something? Yeah, real quick. I want to say uh, I just want to real quick. Um, Austin sent an email, too. And this isn't a long one. And I, I think we can wrap it up quickly. He basically just says uh, he's surprised it wasn't brought up when Toonami was talked about. But Yu Yu Hakusho and Kenshin were really big ones uh, early on as well. I just want to say, uh, yeah, we were talking about like DBZ and Sailor Moon and kind of what started anime or in, in the U.S. Right. But uh, I am a huge Yu Yu Hakusho fan and a pretty decent Kenshin fan. So those are definitely two things we will talk about. Yeah, we're uh, going to talk future. about that, especially because 100%. Hunter Hunter is in both of our top three animes of all time. And the guy who made Hunter Hunter made, made Yu Yu Hakusho. Hakusho. So he yeah. hit light, like lightning struck for him twice. So, so we a million percent that, that we're going to talk covered. about like yeah Gundam Wing Tenchi Muyo all like all like everything that was on Toonami um we're going to talk about so do not worry about that but yeah when we when we we're talking about Toonami we just kind of talked about when how we got into anime and that yep. little bit but like what what started it what started yep, it what started it for us so you know that's definitely coming down the pipeline but if you guys have any questions or want to um us to talk about anything on the show please email us at iamnerdpodcast at gmail.com and we may read it aloud on the show um and let us know what you think like if you want if you want anything from us if you have a question or you want to tell us a story maybe you have a broken card and a story that you want to talk about we might talk about that um anime or, or things that you know we might not be thinking about uh let us know let us know what you think about the podcast you know we're, we're open to literally everything this is still very early stages but we love doing this uh, this is something that we pretty much do 
on the regular, but now we're, you know, putting it into a formal format, if you will. So, you know. Well, anyway, guys, that's it for today's episode of the I'm There podcast. And as always, so long, Gay Bowser. So long, Gay Bowser.